Is everybody having a good time? Okay. Is everybody impressed by our level of professionalism? Sarah, that part gets edited out. Hello, and welcome to Empire State of Carbon. My name is John Raskin. I am president of Spring Street Climate Fund and one of the co-hosts of the show. And I'm Juan Pablo Velez, executive director of a think tank called Win Climate um, that does kind of a policy research for the New York State climate movement. So last time when we came together on a podcast, we it, the state budget had just passed and we talked about everything that got done. We talked about the All-Electric Building Act. We talked about build public renewables. We talked about the successful move within the climate movement to fight back the governor's proposal to undermine the state's groundbreaking climate law. So we had a big conversation about what happened. Um, and today we want to have a slightly different conversation, which is about unfinished business at this point in time. What has been a priority that's important to get done that we have not yet gotten across the finish line? And speaking of sort of unfinished business top priorities, we wanted to focus today's conversation on a piece of legislation called New York Heat. And we wanted to focus on that in part because the folks working to pass this piece of legislation have been really successful in recent months at making it one of the big top priorities that didn't get done. Now, I realize that's a little bit of a backhanded compliment to be like, you were the thing that didn't get done, <laughs> mazel tov. But there is a real accomplishment there, right? There is a real accomplishment of making yourselves a priority, a thing that folks are talking about. Your priorities are what the legislators are considering, even if um, we're not yet at the point where it's across the finish line. So for that conversation, we wanted to bring in one of the world's great experts in this piece of legislation, but also more broadly in the transition away from fossil fuels and away from the gas distribution network in New York State. Um, so please welcome today the executive director of Agree, Jessica Azule. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. The climate movement in New York is fractious, and there are many things that people don't agree on. One thing everyone seems to agree on is that they really like Jessica. It's actually a very... I like Jessica. Exactly. You, you, me too. It's like, it's a very strange point of consensus where like somebody brings up Jessica and somebody else is always like, oh, I know she's really smart. Um, and so we wanted to have you on the show, partly just so everyone else could also revel in the intelligence that you bring, but also because you really do know what you're talking about with these things, both on the policy side and the political side. And we wanted to, to invite you on to share with us and our community about what folks should know about New York Heat, this legislation, and the fight to pass it. But before we get into all that, Jessica, tell us about you. Where do you come from? And how did you get involved in this work? So um, that was so sweet, all of those things you said about me. Thank you so much. And the feeling is mutual. Um, so a little bit about me. I'm, I was born in West Virginia in a beautiful part of the state that is really unspoiled by a lot of the extraction that we see in other parts of West Virginia. We don't have coal um, and we don't have fracking yet um, and hopefully never will. And so I grew up with clean air and clean water. And I also grew up with a community that was really fierce in defending that and was part as a kid seeing multiple fights by my parents and our neighbors and our community to stave off all kinds of dirty industries that were trying to come in and come through our county. So I think, um, you know, that really had a huge influence on me growing up um, and learning about how to organize and by seeing people do it and seeing people win. And you've been at this for a while now. So what are some of the big fights you've worked on in New York State? 
Yeah, so I've been in New York for over 20 years now, and I came up through the movement to fight uh, corporate globalization and free trade agreements. And I also was part of the anti-war movement um, after 9-11, trying to stop um, you know, U.S. bombing of other countries. So I've been in a lot of different fights. And um, for the last little over 10 years, I've been leading Alliance for a Green Economy and working to move New York to 100% renewable energy. For folks who are new to the climate movement in New York, can you talk about some of the climate fights or, or the energy fights you've been involved with in, in your time with the Green? Sure. So we've been involved in everything from um, helping to protect the ability for people to put solar on their own roofs and get compensated for that um, by the utility. We've been involved in helping to enable community solar for people that can't put solar on their own roofs, but still want to participate in renewable energy. We were part of the movement to pass the All Electric Building Act this session. Last session, we worked really hard and um, passed a bill to enable utilities to be able to build thermal energy networks, which is a way for us to build collective and shared renewable heating systems in our streets and replace the gas pipelines in our streets with water that we can, water pipelines that we connect heat pumps to. So um, there's been many, many different battles that we've been part of. And we just see this movement growing and growing and our momentum building right now. It's really exciting. Yeah, fun fact, uh, the state of New York will pay you around 10 grand to install new heat pumps and Jessica and friends are a really big part of why that's true. Uh, that's a really good pivot into what we want to talk about today, which is, which is this New York heat bill. And New York heat is all about buildings, but really it's all about the gas grid or the gas distribution system that brings methane gas from fracking operations in Pennsylvania into our homes to, uh, to be burned at our stoves and in our boilers to, to heat our, our food and our water and our air. So I'm going to do a little bit of context setting just because I think this is a space that folks don't know as well as maybe they know electricity. And then we'll get into what New York Heat actually does. So about 60% of the whole state heats their homes with a single interconnected network of pipes under the ground uh, that, that bring methane right into your home and somehow without exploding everything constantly. And the rest of the people will heat their homes with heating oil or uh, propane if they're in rural areas. And as Jessica said, it is the biggest, single biggest source of climate pollution. It's about a third of all the climate pollution comes from basically this, these fossil fuels we burn inside of our homes, like little, like little power plants. And so we need to stop the growth of this network of pipes and eventually transition everything over to electric heating. And that's kind of the backdrop for, for what New York Heat does and how it does it. Jessica, we, you know, in our prior discussions, we've talked about New York Heat having a few different pieces. So do you want to step us through kind of big picture what the pieces are? And then we'll go, we'll go one by one. Sure, absolutely. So as you mentioned, um, you know, we're very, very focused in New York Heat on the role of the utilities, which own that distribution um, that that system of, of gas pipelines that come, you know, into the state and go into our homes and how we can push them to comply with the climate law and help us transition our homes off of gas. So right now what's happening is that that gas system is expanding because if you um, live near that gas system, and you're building a new building or you um, heat with something other than gas, you can get a free gas hookup 
to get onto that system. So you can switch from oil to gas and get a free gas hookup. Or if you're building a new building, until the All Electric Building Act goes into effect, you can hook your new building up to gas. And that is a free connection. So one of the things that New York Heat does is it eliminates that free connection. Because obviously the connection is not free, right? Some You have to Somebody has to do the work to put the pipes in the ground. The pipes cost money. Um, How much does it cost usually? So it across the state, it costs more than $200 million a year that we're spending um, on hooking new people up to the gas system. And that cost is growing, actually. It's going up and up. Um, but if, I'm, if I already have a house and I'm pretty close to an existing gas hookup and I use the subsidy, like how much money do I get? You don't get anything. You get a free hookup. You don't get money. But the company gets money to pay for that gas hookup. And it can cost the company anywhere between, you know, a couple thousand dollars to forty or fifty thousand dollars. It depends on where you where you are in the state and how expensive it is to put in gas pipelines. So um, And just and just to be explicit. If you actually look at what we need to do to get from where we are to zero emissions for climate pollution, we need to be winding down the gas distribution network. Yes. But what you're describing is that we're spending functionally $200 million a year from ratepayers and other sources to expand the gas distribution network. That is correct. And we're paying for that because then the utilities take the cost of that and they pass it on to the customers. So that's part of what increases our, we see our gas bills go up every year. That's partly why, because we're, we're paying to expand the gas system. I like to say we're paying to go backwards. So it doesn't make any sense. And unfortunately, that free um, gas connection is written into to, to state law. So we have to change it at the state law level with the legislature. So even if the utilities don't necessarily want to keep expanding the system, which, which of course they do, but just for sake of argument, they'd be like, our hands are tied. We have to give away these give giveaways by law. Yes. And we have to charge, we can pass that cost on to ratepayers. So that's one piece of the bill. Another piece is, so we have to stop paying to go backwards. Um, and then we need a plan for how we're going to help people get off of this system and get enough people off of the system that we hit our, our climate mandates. So we got to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions 40% by 2030. That's very soon, right? Seven years from now, we need to, you know, get like, you know, 40% of the gas off <laughs> and switch people to, to renewable heating, like heat pumps. Um, so there's a few different ways we can go about doing this. We could, we could, um, you know, keep doing this house by house incentivized approach as we're doing now, which is very, very slow. And I don't think we're going to meet our goals that way. And, and for folks who are not familiar with the space, what, what do you mean by house by house incentivized approach? Like, what does that look like on the ground? So it just looks like utilities put out incentives. They say, you know, if you want to, if you want a heat pump, we will give you, you know, a rebate to help you pay for it. Uh -huh. So it's, you know, it's whoever voluntarily decides, hey, I'm kind of interested in a heat pump. Let me check that out. Got it. Um, and it's great, you know, that 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 is growing and more and more people are doing that. Um, however, that's the at the rate we're going, we're not going to hit our climate goals. So and and at the rate that we're incentivizing people, we don't have enough incentives to hit our to hit our climate goals. So. Um, what New York Heat does is it allows us to take money that we would otherwise be spending on the existing gas system, because the thing to know about the existing gas system is you don't just put in these pipes and then just leave them forever and they're totally fine. 
you know, forever and ever. The pipes wear out, they get old, eventually they need to be replaced. They need a lot of maintenance as well. And there's a lot of work to keep them from exploding and keep them safe. So the existing gas system itself, even if we're not expanding it, is incredibly expensive. And we're paying for that every year with our gas bills. So what New York Heat does is it enables us to take the money that we're paying for the existing system and to continually repair and maintain and replace the system and find opportunities where, hey, this pipe's at the end of its life. It's going to cost us $10 million to replace it. Maybe instead of doing that, we should spend $10 million and give people free heat pumps so they can get off of this pipe and we don't have to replace it with a new gas pipeline. But if you're a gas utility like National Grid, why aren't you already doing this? Like, Why aren't you just being like, you know what, probably since we have to comply with this climate law thing, maybe we don't replace that leaky pipeline on that one block. Instead, we take the money and just give everybody a heat pump. Like, why isn't that happening already? So <laughs> they also get you know, a big, uh, shareholder return on equity for putting gas pipelines in the ground. So they have, a, they have a financial incentive to keep building gas pipelines. But we have, because our organization works with many others to intervene in utility rate cases, and we do challenge those gas pipeline investments in every single utility territory in New York. And we are we have been saying, hey, this doesn't comply with the climate law. This is not affordable and we need to make a change. So we have forced the utilities to consider um, alternatives. Wait, wait, quick, quick pause, quick pause. What do you mean you get to tell a business what to do? How does that work? Like what, what's a rate case? Okay, so a rate case is when a utility, so our, our gas utilities are monopolies, right? In each area. Right. If you if you want to hook up to gas, you have one company that you can choose um, in New York City, depending on where you are. It might be Con Ed or it might be National Grid in Syracuse. It's National Grid. And the reason utilities are monopolies is because it doesn't make any sense to build multiple gas pipelines through the street from multiple companies. So in exchange for the monopoly status that each utility has in their territory, they are, they're, what they charge customers is regulated by the state so that they can't just go out and charge whatever they want and gouge customers. Um, and so when a utility wants to change what they're charging customers, usually to increase it, um, they have to file what's called a rate case. So we intervene in that process and we often are looking at different pipeline investments that utilities are making and challenging them. And we've been successful in stopping some gas expansion projects. We've been successful in you know, challenging how the utilities are, or in most cases are not complying with the climate law, but we're constrained by what is in our current public service law. Um, which conflicts with our climate law right now. So you asked why aren't utilities doing this, right? One reason is because even when the utility looks at a pipeline and think and finds a solution, right? Looks at this pipeline investment in let's say a small neighborhood and there's a there's an analysis that says, you know what, instead of um, replacing this pipeline, let's electrify everybody on this line. There's something in the public service law, it's called the obligation to serve. It means that utilities are required to continue to serve gas to their customers. So if a utility wants to do something that's not gas, like electrify people, it has to go to every single customer and ask, would you be willing 
if we give you free heat pumps and help you, would you be willing to get off of the gas system? And let's say this neighborhood has 20 people in it that they're trying to electrify. If 19 people say yes, but one person says no, the whole electrification project is dead and they just have to build a pipeline for those 20 people. So um, what we're trying to do with the New York Heat Act is make it so that in cases like that, one person cannot trump the will of 19 other people on the block. Um, and we actually have a choice to put in the most cost-effective and climate-friendly heating solutions instead of being forced just to do a gas pipeline. Okay, so this will now allow utilities to, instead of replacing pipes, give people heat pumps. But like you said earlier, a lot of them have a financial incentive not to do that. So is there something else in the law that pushes them further? Yes. The law also requires the Public Service Commission to set emissions limits on the utilities. So right now, you know, we just have, we have a statewide emissions limit of we have to get 40% reductions statewide across the whole economy by 2030. You would think that that would mean that the Public Service Commission and the utilities would look at that and say, okay, what does that mean for gas utilities, right? What does that mean? How much do how much do we need to reduce from the gas system? What percentage of the gas system is each gas utility? How much greenhouse gas emissions does each utility have to reduce in order to help do its obligation to meet the state climate mandate? Unfortunately, they have not done that. Instead, they've just kind of for years just thrown up their hands and say, well, it's a statewide mandate. We don't actually know how much is supposed to be coming from the gas utilities or each gas utility. Maybe some of these other sectors are going to go faster and we can go slower. So there's just so much foot dragging and the commission has not put um, hard limits and expectations that the utilities then have to follow. So the New York Heat Act would ensure that there are very, very clear emissions targets that each utility, that ramp down over time, that each utility has to meet. And that will push them to then make plans that meet those targets and get people off of the gas system and help them electrify. Got it. So, so far we say New York Heat does two things. It stops the growth of the system, which the gas ban the, the ban on fossil fuels in new buildings, like that was part one of stopping the growth. And this is part two. This is, okay, what about all the other existing buildings? And it stops the growth. And then it starts the transition to electric heating for the existing pipes. It does that by making it possible for the utilities to do this because now one person can't stop a project. And it also forces them to actually take steps to do this, probably in this opportunistic way where it's like, oh, we, we need to replace this pipe anyway in this part of the map. So let's let's do that block or that neighborhood. Um, can you talk a little bit about the the money now? Like you you've told me before that this this is this whole thing is supposed to save people money. So can you kind of talk about how it does that? Yeah, so we consider this the most important energy affordability bill in New York right now as well for a number of reasons. One, because we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars every year to expand the gas system. And it's not just those $200 million of gas, new gas hookups that I talked about. When we hook new people up to the gas system and we grow our gas demand, other pipes have to then be expanded. So for instance, in the national grid 
rate case right now where they just filed a request for a $30 a month rate increase on their gas customers. They are not just talking about about $100 million of new gas hookups that would be subsidized, but there's about another $100 million that flows from that because hooking new gas customers up to the system then requires them to get bigger pipes elsewhere in the system to serve that demand. So by stopping the growth, we are going to save ourselves a lot of money. We also will save money if we can now, instead of replacing gas pipelines, existing gas pipelines with their, when they're, you know, need to be replaced when they're at the end of their life and for safety reasons, they need to be dug up out of the ground. Often it's going to be more cost effective and cheaper to just electrify everybody on the system in that moment um, because gas pipelines are getting more expensive and it's not just the cost of putting the gas pipeline in the ground, it's also the cost over years of maintaining the gas pipeline and paying property taxes on the gas pipeline. There's just so many costs that go along with just keeping the system in place. So yes, so we can, we can help, you know, we'll reduce the cost of the system that way. And then we also have some really important consumer protections in this bill um, because we have an energy affordability crisis in the state already. We have so many low-income people that cannot afford energy because our utility rates right now are regressive. And by that, I mean low-income people pay a higher percentage of their income for this very basic need of energy. The lowest-income people pay more than 9% of their income on energy, for energy on average. And the state has had the Public Service Commission, which regulates the utilities, has had a policy in place that energy affordability is really 6% or less that you're paying of your income toward energy, but they have been failing to meet that goal for everybody. And so this, the New York Heat Act would, would codify that 6% energy burden cap in law and really push the commission to actually get it done so that as we're you know, going through this transition, we're protecting the most vulnerable um, customers and we're, put, we're making our rates just a little bit more progressive. Got it. Okay. So I think we walked up pretty hard just now. Quick recap before we move on to the politics. This bill stops the growth for good of the gas system. It starts the transition by enabling them to actually start giving people heat pumps and then basically requiring them to by giving them a like you said emissions limits basically you can you can only commute pollute x amount per year and then ultimately it'll save people money by doing the transition and just in case you know rates go up as a result also there is a protection there for lower income folks as well so i think that's a pretty good place to 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 move on to, to john and the politics yeah, I'm curious. I mean, look, I think, Jessica, you've outlined this this bill that for me as more of a political person than a policy person, understanding what you're saying about the bill, it seems that we have to do some of these things if we're actually going to transition off of our gas distribution network and solve the climate crisis, or at least our component of it here in New York. And so the bill seems substantively necessary. But I'm curious to ask you sort of about the politics of it, right? Like, I, I mentioned when when I was sort of introducing you um, at the beginning of this episode that I think you've done a very impressive job of building this legislation up into being something that everyone is paying attention to you too. And I'm curious to ask you, how did that come to be? You know, what has been the path for this bill that you've been working on, the, the New York Heat Act? 
what has been the path from just an idea that some folks worked out in trying to address the problem um, of methane gas distribution to being something that everyone's talking about and is able to pass the Senate and come close to, you know, to being at least on the table for passage in the assembly? Um, well, I would say I think this bill is a long time coming um, because it is, you're, you're right, it's absolutely necessary to pass this bill if we have any chance of, of meeting our climate goals. And, um, and I think there are many of us across the state that understand the necessity of this bill and have seen where the barriers are to achieving the climate goals and transforming how the utilities are operating. And we've been banging our heads against the wall um, for years in these rate cases, and we're not the only ones. There have been many groups that have gotten involved in those cases. And so we have a base of organizations across the state that understand the importance of this bill, even though it is, you know, it took a while to explain it, right? And all of the different components. There are many organizations that understand it because they have been doing the work in these rate cases. So I think that just sets a baseline. We also have a huge base of organizations that got involved in the Public Service Commission after the climate law was passed, really demanding what is the commission going to do to make sure that utilities are planning their systems to comply with the law. And we had a two-year fight in the utility gas planning process where we engaged hundreds of organizations, we engaged I think 200 local and state elected officials in that fight as well, pushing on the commission to, to basically set these emissions <laughs> mandates on the utilities, as well as push the utilities to plan to comply with the climate law. And so we, you know, I think that really primed us because that helped. We, we do have, you know, just many organizations and elected officials across the state who've been engaged in this issue and have seen the commission not act and have seen the utilities not act. So that's just a baseline kind of environment in the movement that we're that we were, you know, working from when we um, started this fight on New York Heat. So Jessica, you just mentioned the Public Service Commission or, or PSC. Can you just kind of walk us through uh, who they are and what they do and why they matter? I would be happy to. So the Public Service Commission is a state agency that regulates the utilities. They're appointed by the governor and confirmed by the Senate. So they're, they're not elected, but they are appointed by elected officials. And they are a very, very powerful body that has so much influence in our energy policy. So they are the body that determines how much our energy bills are, how much our utility bills are. They're the body that determines what are the rules that govern our gas utilities and what are they required to do. They have the power to set emissions limits and climate mandates on our utilities, which they have not done yet. They do have various processes where the public can get involved, and we do work to get people and organizations involved in pushing and pressuring them um, often with a large degree of success. So just because they're not an elected body doesn't mean we cannot pressure them and influence them. Um, we can pressure the elected officials that are responsible for putting them there. Um, and we are also able to, you know, pressure them in, in many different ways by getting involved. So just to really pin this down, as loyal listeners of the show will know, the one weird trick to, to fixing climate in New York State is electrify everything and get off of the natural gas for making electricity and for heating people's homes. It kind of sounds like 
these are the people who are at the very heart of doing both those things. Am I wrong about that? No, they are. They're at the heart of um, most major energy decisions in the state and where our money is going. There's no pathway to meeting our climate goals without going through the Public Service Commission. And we can change how they do things either by passing laws that require them because they have to follow state law. So we can pass laws by re- that require them to do things. And then we can also intervene and pressure them in their various policymaking proceedings or their rate cases. The other thing that we did is we have, you know, through this amazing Renewable Heat Now campaign that has organizations from across the state. Last year, we put together a package of pieces of legislation that we felt were necessary to help get buildings off fossil fuels. And the All-Electric Building Act was one of those parts of the package. There was a codes and standards bill that would transform our appliances and building codes to comply with the law. And then there was New York Heat. And so we started last year kind of building up a lot of organizations, materials, visits with elected officials, and just educating people and elected officials about those three bills. The All Electric Building Act last year had a huge amount of momentum around it. It was It's a very important bill, and it's really exciting that, that we all got it passed. And it was much simpler to explain, right? No more fossil fuels in new construction. You can say it. <laughs> Just a line. Um, But as we were building the momentum around that bill and talking about it, we were also in those lobby visits with elected officials. We have teams all across the state um, doing lobby visits with elected officials. We were talking about New York Heat. So we were building up the co-sponsors for New York Heat. We were building up people's ability to talk about the bill and educate people about the bill. Um, And so when we went into the session this year, we... Um, We were so close. We knew we were very, very close to the All-Electric Building Act getting passed. And that did happen in the budget. But we also had a big fight for New York Heat. And we refused to let it go. We refused to let it die in the budget. um, And we kept pushing for it. We had amazing comms folks working with us to, you know, get it into every story about what was going on in the budget, along with the All Electric Building Act. Um, And it really became something that, you know, reporters were looking for and asking, hey, what's going on with New York Heat in the budget? Because we just kept talking about it, we kept incorporating it into all of our work around buildings and the All Electric Building Act. Um, And in our rallies and our, you know, all of the, the mobilizations that we did, around kicking fossil fuels out of buildings. We were talking about the All Electric Building Act and New York Heat together. So it, I think that really helped build a lot of momentum for the bill. Well, so it sounds like there have been sort of multiple stages, right? You built an enormous coalition, many of whom, of, of organizations, many of whom had previous experience trying to solve some of these problems piecemeal and kept running up against the law as it is, so had an interest in changing it. You had engaged elected officials around many of these specific neighborhood or municipal or like local fights over gas. So they were also primed. And then it sounds like you spent many months over multiple legislative sessions sort of educating folks and just hammering away at legislators, at press opportunities to sort of get the New York Heat Act on the radar. So that and and sort of that then culminated in a big focus culminated in passing the New York State Senate um, this spring and culminated in being a topic of conversation as we try to figure out what is and is not going to pass at the end of the legislative session. So then let me ask for your take on the flip side. 
why hasn't it passed yet? Right? What are the challenges and what are the barriers that are still in place that mean that at least as of this moment, when we're talking right now, the bill has not yet succeeded in winning passage? So I think there are many factors that have um, made this bill harder to pass. Um, and I do think we're very, very close. And I think we've got a really, really good chance um, in the upcoming session. So um, I'll just tick off a few. We um, have been up against for the last couple of years, just an immense um, communications and lobbying campaign on the part of the fossil fuel industry. And they have been fighting the New York Heat Act along with their fight against the All Electric Building Act. Um, and they have grouped those bills together as, you know, they're coming for your gas stoves and they're going to take all of your gas appliances and make you pay all this money to electrify. You know, all that stuff has been swirling around the New York Heat Act as well. Um, and so legislators are fearful um, and cautious around you know, these kinds of, they were cautious around the All Electric Building Act, they're cautious around New York Heat. Um, and I think in some ways, New York Heat is going directly to the heart of the gas utility um, business model and their, you know, their bread and butter. So they're very, very um, worried about this bill. Not all of them. Con Ed is actually supportive, but the other utilities are very worried about this bill and working. Well, Con Ed is supportive because it also provides electricity. Yes. Con Ed, um, their electric business is much bigger than their gas business. So they are, they, <laughs> they're not fighting electrification the way um, some of the other utilities are. Um, so, you know, that's one factor. Another is it's for some reason, and this, this just um, is so infuriating in a climate crisis and an energy affordability crisis, but it's very hard for the legislature to do more than one thing at a time, apparently. Um, they seem to just want to check a box and they think checking one box is enough. So, you know, I think it was, it was very, it was always going to be very, very hard for us to get the All Electric Building Act and the New York Heat Act done in the same session. Um, but, you know, we had to try because we need we need more than one climate bill to pass every session. We need multiple bills. And we're just, you know, with the with the all electric building act, we're we're slowing growth and we're we're starting to, you know, effectuate this transition. But we need to go much, much deeper with bills like the, the New York Heat Act. But I do think that, you know, it it was always going to be a challenge to do both in the same session. Well, so then let me ask, what has to happen between now and then? We talked about substantively, we have to pass this bill in order to succeed at our climate goals. Talking politically about some of the challenges, resistance from utilities, uh, sort of a combination of some sort of like inertia and resistance from legislators, and then a bunch of just people who are, you know, to some degree riled up by misinformation um, from utilities, but also who are just concerned about change. So what can you do? What, what happens in the political space that you and other folks in the movement can make happen in order to, to get from here to the point where we're really able to, to win? So I think we have to keep um, hammering away at this bill and we have to find, there are unfortunately going to be many opportunities for us to point to things, bad things that are happening and demonstrate to elected officials that they're on the hook for that because they didn't pass New York heat. Um, so, well, yes, yeah, so there's climate crises that unfortunately continue to happen. 
um, like, you know, unbreathable air across the whole state due to, to wildfires. But also there's rate hikes. So we're going to see a slew of rate hikes this year. And this cannot just be blamed on gas utilities. You know, what we've seen is that elected officials are often very happy to stand up and say, you know, national grid, this rate hike is outrageous. You, you know, this is, we need to change this, right? And yes, national grid absolutely should be blamed for that. And the public service commission should be blamed for that. But legislators are also on the hook here because there needs to be these changes in the law in order for us to make this transition. And so I think partly what we need to do as a movement is make that very clear to legislators that we do hold them accountable for our gas rate hikes going forward because New York heat was not. Sorry, and that's, and that's really key just to underscore what you're saying, right? Substance aside, national grid is not elected, right? The public service commission is not elected. They are not accountable in any sort of direct way to voters and to just participants in our democracy. But that is not true of legislators. And so if you're actually looking for a way that you can translate people power into addressing some of these problems, I, I just want to underscore the importance of what you're saying, which is there are present problems in people's lives. Utility rate hikes are a significant one. And to the degree that we are able to make that connection between the legislators' inaction and the results that people are seeing where they then have to pay more because we haven't solved these problems, I think is vitally important. So. How, how do you do that? <laughs> what's, the, what's the plan? <laughs> so um, we have to build that plan. <laughs> um, you know, we just came off of the legislative session. So we are now in, in progress of identifying, you know, what are the, who are the key legislators that we, um, and where are these rate hikes going to be um, so that we can, we can tie these issues together. Um, we also need to push the governor because the governor holds, you know, especially our our best chance of getting this bill now is in the state budget next year. And that's a three way process. We need the governor to step up and include this. So the governor has come out against gas rate hikes and, you know, but she needs to actually act. <laughs> and she was very, very quiet on New York heat this year. And she did not lead. Um, and we need to say that very loud and clear, and we need to really push her to come out of the gate swinging in January with putting New York Heat in her budget. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. No, I mean, not that you're asking, but <laughs> as a person with a communications background, just to say, anytime somebody says rate hike, they should never follow up with, and I'm mad at the utility. It should always be rate hike, New York Heat is the answer, Governor Hochul has to lead. And if we're able to get that in every conversation around the state, I think you'll see a great deal more pressure and hopefully momentum for the bill. Um, look, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, a, the bill, the New York Heat Act that you're describing sounds extremely important for succeeding at winning our climate goals. I think there's an opportunity to pass it, honestly, both because of the high energy bills that you're describing, which makes folks interested in a near-term solution, but also because of the political work you've done to build a coalition and to socialize this among elected officials so folks understand what the problem is and what the solution could be. Um, that's an important fight. You're at the heart of it. You and a big coalition that you've been helping to build uh, have really led us to this point. And so I'd say, A, you know, I hope you do get a break right after like a you know, marathon sprint through the legislative session. Uh, I hope you're able to take a little break. So Godspeed on that. Don't break for too long because there's a lot of really important work that has to happen to cue this up to succeed. Um, and in the meantime, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk it through with us today and help us 
um, and folks in our community understand what, what's on the table, why it matters, and what we're able to do to bring it to fruition. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me and for talking about this bill and helping get the word out and helping help me explain it to people. Um, because, you know, the more people who understand the importance of this bill, we just need everybody in this fight 